This is an odd way to begin the gospel of Jesus Christ. These are the first words that many listeners would hear of the announcement of the good news, that salvation has come not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles also. And in the very beginning, we have a seeming crazy man dressed in camel's hair, eating locusts and honey. Doesn't seem like the way to begin a message that many would receive. We can look at some oddities in our opening gospel. The wilderness, the camel's hair, the locusts and honey, and John the Baptist's seeming celibate life, where there's no mention of a wife. He's simply alone in the wilderness. It's interesting, though, some research done, especially recently, regarding the Dead Sea Scrolls, has uncovered more things about what's called the Qumran community, or the Essene movement. It's a less-known movement. We're more familiar with the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees because they're mentioned in the Gospel. The Essenes, however, are never... they're never criticized by Jesus. And yet, this group is very important. It exists, and scholars and historians like Josephus living during the time where Jesus was walking about, record their existence and their lifestyle habits. What's interesting is to see the parallels between the Essene community and John the Baptist. We can assume from the lack of Jesus' criticism that perhaps they weren't too far off the track. The reason why the Essenes settled near the Dead Sea was because they took this passage from Isaiah literally, go into the wilderness to prepare a way for the Lord. This is the same place where we see John the Baptist ministering, east of Jerusalem, near the Dead Sea, baptizing in the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan River was an essential place. Remember, to cross into the Promised Land, 40 years before the end of the Exodus, they crossed the Red Sea. But to enter the Promised Land with Joshua leading the people 1,600 years before Christ, it was the Jordan River that was crossed. And people expected that the new Messiah, God would use this new Messiah to save the people in a similar way as the Exodus. We would call this the new Exodus. So what better place to start the new Exodus than the place where the old one ended, at the Jordan River? Not to mention the fact that it's Joshua who leads the people from exile, from the exodus, into the promised land. And Joshua, the same name that is also Jesus, is the leader of the new exodus, bringing the people from captivity not to Egypt, but to bondage to sin and to Satan. Jesus leads us in this new exodus into the promised land of heaven by freeing us from our sins in the tyranny of Satan. In addition, this wilderness area holds a key meaning for living out Advent in our time. But first, the camel's hair and the locusts and honey, the celibacy, where do these come from? Actually uncovering the Dead Sea Scrolls, we've gotten some information about the Essene community and how they lived. First, They lived a celibate life. 
there were some honorary Essenes that were not celibates, but these communities were all men, and they gathered together in preparation for the coming of the Messiah. It was almost monastic, just before monasticism. In addition, they only wore garments that were natural, so camel's hair would be, it would make sense. Josephus again records this little detail following a teacher who lived a very penitential life. Also, Essenes, on entrance into this community, would make a vow that they would never eat any food that wasn't prepared by the hands of the community. Those that left the Essene community still held to this vow. So why would John the Baptist eat locusts and honey? Simply because they were not prepared by anyone's hands. Not the community's, but not any human's hands. There was plenty of food in this passage near the Jordan, close to Jerusalem. People would come by all the time, caravans with many people and many things to eat and drink. And yet John the Baptist, perhaps a member of the Essene community who left, kept his oath and only ate locusts and honey. The Essene scrolls, the Qumran scrolls, are the only other source of Jesus' time that mention locusts even being edible. So as we put together the pieces, things make more and more sense about how John the Baptist fits into this picture. He's not some sort of crazy man. He's actually an important figure leading up to the time of Christ, announcing his time of coming. One of the most interesting things about the Essene community is they believed in washing frequently. They would wash in these baths called mikvahs. And several times a day sometimes, they would go into the water for purification. They had the belief that the Holy Spirit of God was in the waters and that washing in the mikvah would purify for sin. How incredible is that? Even before Jesus preaches baptism, they take lines from Isaiah and Ezekiel and they understand that God will create a new heart in the people of Israel, and they saw this through the water, through the Holy Spirit, that would lead to purification of sins. So not only did the Essenes prepare the way of the Lord for Christ, they also prepared the way of the Lord for his theology, for the sacrament of baptism itself. What we think might be a very foreign thing for Jesus to teach about being washed by water and the Holy Spirit was something alive and well in Essene thinking. When we were baptized, we received divine life, original sin, all of our sins were wiped clean, and we became a part of the church, the body of Christ. As you might have noticed, for eight, nine months, we have not had the use of the holy water fonts, These fonts are meant to be used every time we come into the church to bless ourselves. It recalls our baptism. But there's some practical spiritual effects also. Not only does it defend us against evil, but it also remits venial sins. I don't know if you knew that about holy water. But because of the spiritual good that holy water presents us with, we have some holy water bottles. You might have seen them as you came in. 
Every family can take one of these bottles and keep it with them. Take it home, bless things in the home, and bless yourselves. Keep it with you when you come into the church. Although we can't use the communal fonts, we can still recall our baptism with these bottles, one per family, as we come into the church, repelling evil and even remitting our venial sins. All this preparation brings us back to the wilderness. Why does Isaiah prophesy that a voice is crying out in the wilderness? Isn't it odd? All the people are in Jerusalem. But why would this voice be crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord? Not just because it's the Jordan, the beginning of the new exodus where the old exodus ended, but also the wilderness is detached from all the political and religious upheaval happening in Jerusalem. This is a great message for us in our day and age. To enter into the silence of Advent, what does the preparation of Advent mean other than to seek refuge from all the many distractions in our life, in our world? Political upheaval, religious corruption, all of these elements are ongoing not just in John the Baptist's time, but in our time. But the message for us is the same. Where do we find our salvation? Where do we find Jesus Christ? It's not in the midst of the polis, Jerusalem, the capital city of both political and religious power. It's found in the wilderness, out in silence with the Lord, away from distractions, away from the turmoil and hubbub of the city. The call to us during this Advent is the same. We seek repentance. We seek once again to turn from our sins. We seek the silence of the wilderness so that we can hear the voice of God. We can hear the voice of John the Baptist crying out, prepare the way of the Lord. The most important place to prepare the way of the Lord is in our own hearts, not a physical road, but rather our own hearts, where, as one psalm says, are the roads that lead to Zion. There's an interesting line regarding those who were not baptized by John in Luke's gospel. I wanted to share this with you. Luke says this, But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected God's purpose for themselves, not having been baptized by John. Although John's baptism did not give the grace of the Holy Spirit, the Trinitarian life abiding in the soul did not bring people into the community of the church, which is Christ's body, it prepared those who received it to eventually receive Christ. The importance for us in this time of Advent is the same. We don't have the baptism of John, but we do have the same message to seek the voice of the Lord in the wilderness, away from distraction, away from all the other things that pull us away from true repentance and conversion of heart. Needless to say, this is a great time to go to confession. The many penance services coming up in our own confession times here on Saturdays. By missing the baptism of John, the Pharisees and the lawyers missed the coming of Christ. By missing the wilderness and the time of preparation, they did not receive salvation. 
If we miss this time of Advent, silent preparation waiting for Christ's coming and turning away from our sins, we will miss the true meaning of Christmas.